0: All right, thank you for being back in church uh, tonight. And we had a great, great, great morning, and we've been having a great time, <clears throat> and I'm looking forward to, uh, for Friend Day and all the different things we'll do for, um, for the fall program, and so thank you for scaring people this morning with some of your costumes. Where's Raul? Brother. I got a picture of you up in the choir. It's like, man, is that a choir or is that like an assassin's group, right? So, uh, yeah, I was scared to death. Thank you. We're gonna, we won't be long tonight. <coughs> We've been in a little series that we're calling um, <coughs> that it's it now is not the time to quit, and um, and not that people necessarily look at things like oh, I'm just gonna quit. Just things happen in our life if we're not careful and cause us to quit on Christ, and it usually comes in steps. And so I want to make sure. Uh, going through the scriptures, some things that could help us and encourage us so that we don't uh, stumble in our faith. We're going to look at a very, very, uh, I guess, very well-known story here in a minute. Of course, there's two things that Christians need today, and Christ wants from us, commitment and consistency. Usually, we'll start with the first one, and we'll give it. We struggle with the sext- second one, which is consistency. It's easy to make a decision. It's harder to follow through. So, I'm going to do this. and <clears throat> Look, I've been doing this a long time. You'll meet people sometimes. They'll come in and visit the church. And they're here for one Sunday. Like, this is the greatest place I've ever been to. I'm going to be a member. I'm coming back. And this is going to be fantastic. You know what that means? I better call the FBI because we'll never see them again. Some people get emotional and they make a decision. And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is we need to have the commitment to be consistent to follow through on the decision that we've made. And so it's very important. We're going to look at something that can totally trip us up <coughs> Excuse me. tonight. <coughs> there's a statement in a business book I read years ago. It was this. Good is the enemy of best. How many of you ever heard that? Or good is the enemy of great. In other words, what that is is, human nature is we're willing to settle for something sometimes that is not the best that we could have. And that we applied this morning to our Christian life and not being normal. But in the sense of spirituality and looking at the concept of not quitting on God and and living for him the rest of our life, sometimes we're worse. We choose bad in the place of best. I'll never understand that. Because when we choose that which is in nature bad, the consequences can only be bad. And if consequences are bad, life will be bad. And so we're going to look a little bit at that. We can get sidetracked and settle for an attitude or an action that is destructive and that will stop us from doing something that is productive. If you like sports, and today is a sports theme, (coughs) so we'll go with this. All of us, if you really do like sports and you have teams or whatever, you could all probably name an athlete that, that was a superior athlete. Skills, talent, everything they needed, and yet if you look at their life and their career, they never amounted to anything, they never fulfilled their potential, and, and it just didn't happen. And it had nothing to do with, with the talent that, that, that they had. It had everything to do with the things they chose to do instead of focusing on the thing that they should do. They like to party. They don't, like to, they don't like to work out. I mean, look, if you're getting paid millions of dollars to, to throw a baseball or to throw a football or to catch a football, I would think that you would practice that diligently. I mean, you're getting paid for it. You know, I, I heard a story recently, and I'm not going to give the quarterbacks names. I know their names. If you like football, you know. One quarterback who was a first-round pick and was a bust, they said that he never, ever watched game film. Now, if you like football, you know, the only reason they're going to be successful, they got to know what's coming. The guy would never put any work in. One quarterback got a huge contract. In his contract, they had to put a provision that he would spend so much time studying and preparing for the game. Because he was notorious for wasting hour upon hour on video games. So, sometimes it's not that we could not accomplish something, it's that we choose something that is Less, and less is always the enemy of the greater. But in a spiritual sense, we choose something that is wrong that will keep us from continuing to go forward and do that which is right. Think of this practically. <coughs> you, know, you can choose an area of life, and if that area of life there is failures, it's always because someone in that area has, shown the, has chosen the lesser over the greater right? Here's a, here's a couple, they're married, and one of the spouses or both of the spouses, they're choosing other things that are interfering with their marriage or taking time away from it that are lesser, hanging around with people or this or that. You can name whatever it is. And so they're, they're allowing something to come in, which is keeping them from being successful in the very thing that they have committed themselves to. Think about a family, how many have chosen a career over spending time with their family, right? Well, you know, uh, uh, I just need them to understand that what I'm doing is for them. Do you know the kids would rather have, believe it or not, they would rather have their parents around than have a lot of money, right? Think of it this way <clears throat> Christmas time. excuse me, you're going to buy those little children and we do with our grandkids. We'll buy them a present. Man, they'll wrap it up. It's the greatest present ever. They rip open the paper. They rip open the box. They look at the present and they play with the box and the paper. Say, but that present was expensive. They just wanted something to play with. Parents, they want you. But we're choosing other things in place of our family. And just think of it Spiritually. We choose things that are lesser for things that are greater. (coughs) Now, (coughs) we're having great crowds and all that, but I guarantee there are some people that were coming before football season started. And now with football season, certain times they're not coming because their team is playing. Okay? I always say, if you stay home to watch your team play, I hope your team loses, but there's people from both sides that are doing that, so I don't know how that's going to work. I wish they could both lose. But we're making bad spiritual decisions. We choose my will over God's will. We choose my desire over God's desire. But the point I'm making, there's always something we're choosing that's not the best, and it's going to kill having the best. Now, we're going to look at something really bad that can kill us spiritually, and we're going to see it in the story of the temptation of Christ. (coughs) It was (coughs) Satan's top knot. Top notch effort to, to, to get to Jesus and keep him from doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was <clears throat> tempting him to do something that he should not have done. Now, let's say this if you think through spiritually, it spiritually, it was a losing proposition for Satan. Jesus wasn't going to give in. But why did he do it? Because he is the enemy that is all uh, of all that is spiritual and of all that is right. And he may not have been successful with Christ, Christ, but he's going to come after us. But he still tried with Christ. Why? He was trying to divert and destroy Christ's effort to fulfill his purpose on this earth, which was to come and give his life as a sacrifice on the cross for the salvation of our souls. And if he could divert him away from that, mankind would have been doomed. And what was his method? Temptation. Tempting Christ. <clears throat> that is what Satan wants for us. He wants us to get involved with sin, <clears throat> to give into temptation, get involved with something that is destructive so it permanently keeps us from doing anything that is spiritually productive. That's what he wants. He wants to get to us. And in this story, we're going to see principles that will help us to overcome that. What we've been looking at the last few weeks, and it'll be the last message here, we were looking at that which guarantees we will not quit, and that's the Scripture. And and, and we saw it in the life of of Jeremiah, how that Jeremiah was, he was really uh, discouraged, and the Bible was burning in his heart, and he couldn't quit. We saw how the Word of God kept Peter going, even after Peter failed, After Jesus had said, this is what's going to happen, you're going to fail and do this, and as soon as that happened, he remembered the word of the Lord and it came to him and it led him to repentance and restoration. We looked last time at the disciples of Emmaus who were confused about Christ and what he was trying to accomplish on this earth, and they met with him. They said, our hearts burned within us while he shared the scripture with us. Now we're going to look at Jesus and how he overcame temptation and it's going to help us. I understand that this is Christ. <coughs> I won't give you the big theological term. But Jesus Christ on this earth was 100% man. But he was also 100% God. And so Satan is going after him. That's, he's trying to stop him. His goal was to stop him. He tempted him in three areas. Look at the verses, and I'll give you a few points, and we'll be done. Look at verse 3. He tempted him in three areas. First of all, trying to get him to fulfill a need in a wrong way. Verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If (coughs) thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. He had been fasting. By the way, when he's fasting, you're going to be hungry. So Satan, by the way, also questions God's ability to provide for him. If you're the son of God. It's almost like he's saying, are you really the son of God? Because if you are the son of God, why aren't you being provided for? Why do you have to take this road? But he didn't come. He came to be a savior and a servant. By the way, I could say this, but it's not the message. A lot of our sinful actions are when we are fulfilling a God-given appetite in a wrong way. Okay? Something that's not necessarily wrong, but it's wrong at that time or it's wrong at that way. That's what immorality is. That that that's look, that's for marriage. But outside of marriage, it's destructive. And so he's trying to get Jesus to do this in a wrong way. Then he's trying to get him to, 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 to get fame in a wrong way. Look at verse 5. Then the devil taketh him to the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple up high. He said, If, here it is again, <clears throat> if thou be the Son of God, like prove it to me. <clears throat> Cast thyself down. Jump. By the way, it's pretty high. For it is written. Oh, Satan's going to quote scripture. Isn't that cute? He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands shall they bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. He says, you know what, Jesus? You can go ahead and jump. And guess what? Nothing bad's going to happen to you because, after all, the angels are supposed to take care of you. Now, now, you know, it's Satan, so he forgot a very key phrase in there, in all thy ways. In other words, as long as Jesus was fulfilling God's will and following the exact path at the exact time that God told him to, he would be fine. And Satan's trying to take him outside of that path, and it didn't work. Then then he talks about his future in a wrong way. Look at verse 8. This one really has a lot of audacity to it. And again, the devil taketh him up to exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. <coughs> and he said, "All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me." He said, "Look, Jesus, you see this world and everything in it; it's yours. All you got to do is worship me." And you're like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor. Doesn't it belong to Him in the first place?" No. When we sin, we gave that dominion back to Satan. That day is coming when it's his again. But he's like, this is your shortcut. You don't have to go to the cross. I'll give it to you right now. And you can be the God of this world. My question is, how could he be the God of this world if he would have bowed down to Satan? So he's trying to tempt him. But it didn't work. Like with Christ, Satan's plan is to do anything he can to keep you and I from doing God's will. And if we give in to temptation, we're going to sin. And if we sin, that is tearing away at the fabric of God's will for our life. That's what Satan is trying to do. Of course, if you're here tonight and you're saved, (coughs) his first plan was for you not to get saved. But if you got saved, guess what? That's out the door. Now he doesn't want you to be effective. <clears throat> we talked about trying to get the gospel out today and, and taking over this city for Christ and having them know that doesn't happen if we're not following God's will. That doesn't happen if we're giving in to temptation. And he knows that. God tells us about temptation that we can can't overcome it. He told us in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above your able. And let me just say this. Uh, being tempted is not a sign of spiritual weakness. Sometimes Satan throws that at us. Just by the very fact that we're tempted, we're wrong. Well, let's read verse 1 of Matthew chapter 4. It said, then was Jesus led up of the what? Spirit. Spirit to be tempted of the devil. You see that? This wasn't some haphazard thing. Jesus was being led by the Spirit, and as he was led by the Spirit, temptation came. Because temptation is just there. And so, it's not a sign of spiritual weakness, and we'll get back to that in a minute. So, here's the point. How did Jesus get over the temptation? Look at three verses. I said, look at three verses. I went to public school, so I'm confused. Verse 4. How did Jesus respond? Verse 4. But he answered and said, what are those three words? It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It wasn't at that particular time about his physical needs. Verse 7, <laughs> Jesus said, said unto him, what are those three words? It is written, it is written <clears throat> again. He said, look, I quoted the Bible the first time. I want you to understand I'm quoting the Bible again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That's what he would have been doing by jumping off the pinnacle of the temple. Verse 10, <clears throat> then Jesus Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee, hence Satan. What he's saying is, okay, okay, I've had enough of this. You had three shots. We're done with it. So after we're done with this, you can just move on. For, what's those next three words? It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt shalt thou serve. He responded with scripture to answer every single temptation. It's not because we stand up and yell and scream at Satan. Don't you understand that? There are some that think, we have dominion over Satan, and and, you know, I can do... We had a group years ago when we were at Cambodian Baptist Church. We were renting the facility at First Friends, and there was this super spiritual, they thought, uh, a, a group that came in. What they would do, a group of them would come into a church... They were coming into the, they were Cambodians. I don't know if you remember this, Stephen. You may not have been there. <clears throat> they came into the church. They were from a more charismatic type church, and they would try to take over the service. And they'd come in, and they'd try to stand up in the middle of the service and pray and yell at Satan, and we're like, sit down. You, it's not your turn to talk. Amen. By the way, we didn't let them do that, and they went to the church we met at who had some Cambodians, and they split that church. But I heard them pray in their service before our service started. Oh, Satan, we control you. Get out of here, blah, blah. Satan could care less about that. He ain't listening to that. I'm not supposed to pray at Satan. I'm supposed to pray to God. Okay? Satan is powerful, but his power is limited. And we have a greater power than he will ever have. That's God. And God gives us and shows us that power through his word. That's, look, Jesus was far more powerful than he could have just sent a packing at any time. But that's not what he did. He gave him scripture. Amen. You can tell me to do this, Satan. Bible says do this. You can try to get me to do that. The Bible says I do this. Amen. That is far more effective. <clears throat> so if it worked for Jesus, will it not work for us? Do we not need to <clears throat> understand the scripture? By the way, good, good, good people, I think, good people, Christians, who give in to some of this spiritual, who give in to some of this sinful stuff, and they'll, they'll try to use the Scripture to back up what they're doing. By the way, that has the hiss of Satan behind it. I've had people try to argue with me that the Bible is okay with abortion. That has the hiss of Satan Whenever, you're, whenever someone's trying to push you in a Christian sense to do something that's not in the scriptures and they try to give you some weak, watered-down stuff from the Bible to back it up, that has the hiss of Satan. You want me to give you an example? Pastor, yeah, would you give me an example? Okay, thanks. There's a big church in Atlanta. <coughs> Well-known pastor, I don't, wanna, I don't even want to give his name. He's now giving into transgenderism. He's now giving in to homosexuality. Now, let me give you his argument. Here's what he said. You can't just tell people, well, we have to have room in the church for people like that. We do. Now, if they come late, they'll probably get stuck in the balcony, but we have room for them to come and listen. But what he means by room is to let them continue to live the way they want. Now, why does he just pick that sin? What about every other sin? You know, My sin is I like to stab people. But (laughs) he said Christians want to tell people when they come in with this type of thing in their life that the Bible says that's a sin. And he said that works until someone in your family comes out. He says, and when that happens, we don't want to say that the Bible says that's a sin. In fact, he won't say it anymore. He says, you know why? Because I'm trying to build a circle where everybody can come in just like they are, and it doesn't matter. I don't want to draw a line. That's cute. So, okay, can we give you an example? You're raising a child. (coughs) You tell your child, stealing and lying is wrong. Your child comes home (coughs) and says, mom and dad, I know you say stealing and lying is wrong, but it just makes me feel good to steal from people and to lie. So according to his philosophy, we build a circle. Okay, you can live at home and do all that, and I won't say a thing. It's not a sin anymore because I don't want to draw a line. That is not only dumb, it's ignorant. And it's about as spiritual as a kick in the head. Okay, the the Bible is very clear. And we can't try to water down. So, you know, Jesus says we're supposed to love everybody. I get it. But just because the Bible says we're supposed to love somebody doesn't mean that some things are wrong. <clears throat> Someone comes to the church and says, Pastor, I'm married, but, but I just love adultery. It makes me feel good. It's who I really am. Let's build a circle. Let's build a circle. No, 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 no. I'm not drawing a line. But He says, draw, build a circle, don't draw a line. I'm not going to draw a line. God already drew it. And if someone wants to come and they want to have a right relationship with God, they have to deal with that. Just like we have to deal with our sins like gossip and criticism and things like that. Anyhow, I don't know where I got off on that, but I feel pretty good. But the point is, Scripture keeps us straight. Scripture helps us when something is coming our way and we're starting to, to, to say, Time out. I've drawn the line. This is the line. See, why does Satan tempt us? Because he wants us to cross that line so that we're hurt. We're destroyed. So how do we use (coughs) the word of God to keep us from giving into temptation and quitting? Let me give you several thoughts. Boom, 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 and we'll be done. First of all, expect it. Just expect it. James 1.4 says, Every... Man is tempted. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You're going to face it someday in your life. (coughs) It may be in a big way. It may be in a small way. But you're going to face temptation. And usually it comes in small things. You be at work and your boss says, look, I need you to lie for me about this. You're, you're, you're writing a report and the boss says, don't put that number down, put this number down. Come on. Yeah, a, you know, this is one that <coughs> a relative comes to you and they're in trouble for something so they want to get you to lie to help them. They'll put pressure on you, right? Oh, now, now we're like hoeing too close to the garden. Things like that. At that point, you've got to make a decision. Yeah, right. My boss will be mad at me. I'd rather have my boss mad at me than God disappointed in me. Well, my relative that's my relative. They put themselves now, it's getting really quick. They put themselves in that predicament. You shouldn't put yourself in that predicament because of what they did. By the way, I'm all, I'm all for helping them. I am all for helping them. But I'm not putting my life on the line. I'm not putting my character on the line to help somebody. If that means I have to do wrong. <coughs> and I'm just saying. We're all going to face these things. You are. Then next, you need to examine it. <coughs> verse uh, 14, the verse we just quoted in James chapter 1, verse 14 says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. In other words, we not only know that we will be tempted, the Bible tells us how we will be tempted. Lust. I know, we've already... We've done this before. We think of lust, we think of one thing. The word simply means desire. So you, being in sinful flesh, there are certain things that are wrong that your flesh will be drawn to. And in some people, in some areas, it's stronger than other areas. Right? Right? Sometimes you grew up, and maybe there was something you were involved with before that other people weren't. And so you would probably be more tempted in that area, you would have more of a, a, of a sinful desire, if I may, to kind of maybe step out of line in that area than someone else would. Can I just tell you something Satan knows? That's what he's, he's coming after you. And I've given the illustration, I'm not going to go through it again, but, <coughs> you know, if you're a fisherman or a hunter or whatever it is, you... You, you decide on the bait based on what you're going after. Because certain, certain uh, uh, animals are attracted to certain things. And so you're going to use that, which what they would want. Satan's going to do that. So look, it should not be a surprise what Satan's going to come after you for. You know it. Now, certain things are common to all men, right? But certain things are stronger for you, and you're keyed into that. That's where you need to be very careful. Examine it. uh, Next, ease it, (coughs) ease it. In verse two of (coughs) Matthew chapter four, it says this. Here's Jesus. He was led of the Spirit, but look where. And and by the way, this was all planned of God. Okay. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, I always think of this phrase, and I'm like, you think he was afterward a hungered? Okay, he hadn't eaten in forty days. I get it. You think he was hungry? Man, I'm starving after 40 minutes. Okay, it's like, it's like, man, you know what is it when you come home and you haven't eaten all day and it's like, it's like you're hangry. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, hunger, anger together, hangry. Okay, I get all that. But the point is now this was Jesus, okay? We're not Jesus. But the point I'm making about easing it, don't allow yourself to get in a, situ- a situation of weakness where the, where the temptation ends up being stronger. Now, this wasn't the plan of Christ, and he's Christ. I'm not Christ. I mean, if I haven't eaten in, if I didn't eat in four days, I'm probably going to eat. OK? So if I'm trying not to eat, I'm going to eat when I shouldn't, I, you're going to just make sure you're eating. <coughs> How do you protect a marriage from immorality? Have a strong marriage. Commercial number 12: Come to the married couples retreat. That'd be great for all of you. Okay, now back. A strong walk with God will protect us from discouragement and defeat. Pastor, I'm just struggling in my Christian life and I'm discouraged about things. How's your walk with God? Well, you know, I know I don't spend time with them like I should. Start right there. Get back in the Word of God. A strong standard will protect us from sinning. And I know churches like ours, you guys have standards. Look, standards are we take a biblical truth, Based on that truth, we say, this is the conviction. This is what the truth says I should do or shouldn't do. And the standard says, this is what I'm going to do to make sure I live my conviction. Amen. Okay? Okay, how many of you have an alarm at your house? Okay, how many of be willing to share the code? No. You have an alarm. Why do you have an alarm in your house? It's a level of protection. Why don't we have a level of protection to keep us from sinning? I've said it before, you know, the, you know, the little joke, lead me not into temptation, I can find it myself. Ha, 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 most people, that's how they live. They put themselves in the eye of temptation, and they wonder why they can't make it. Because God didn't put you there, so now you're not on solid ground. If you're just living your life and doing the right thing, every temptation that comes your way, you can, you can beat. But when you stray from God's way, and you put yourself in a situation God never wanted you to be in, you're going to stray. Hope you understand that. A strong schedule protects me from an abundance of freedom. (coughs) You're just running around all the time, doing your own thing. You don't care what anybody says. You're going to get yourself in trouble. A strong family protects from wayward children. You know, why are my children bitter against me? You know, I don't know. Did you not spend any, are you not spending time with them? You're just having the right family. And a strong forgiveness will protect us from bitterness. We get upset with things, and we, we harbor it, we hold on to it. We wonder why we're bitter, and then we're open to Satan's attacks, right? When I say ease it, be careful we don't put ourselves in a bad situation. That's what it means when 1 F- Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom you may devour. When you are weak in an area where you should be strong, Satan says, got him. This is the one I'm going after, because he's in that weak position. So ease it up. Next, evade it. You know the easiest temptations to overcome? The ones we don't face. If you don't face it, you're not going to have to deal with it. (coughs) Avoid it. That's what I'm trying to say. I mentioned, I I don't know if I ever mentioned, but, you know, we were on vacation years ago, and on the phone I had the uh, GPS. We were going from (coughs) Santa Cruz to Santa Clara. There's a little free highway. It's like a two-laner, and um, it, it, part of it goes to a mountain. And it's really tight in there, and there was an accident through the hill part, and it started to slow down. So I was that time I was using a, a, an app called Waze. How many of you know Waze? Waze factors in what's going on and tries to help you. And I'm I, and I'm, I'm over here driving. Things are really slowing down, and Waze said, "Get off." Now it wasn't a city. It was hills. Right, you get off, I'm gonna be on some little one lane highway driving through the hills. I trusted it. I got off, and about 10 minutes later, after driving through a bunch of hills and all that trees and all that, it brought me right back to the highway. And I'm not kidding you, I got back on the highway, and about 100 feet that way, I could see the accident that had stopped the freeway. And I pulled right in front of it, and there was zero traffic in front of me. You know what it did? It said, hey, there's the problem here. You want to wait here for an hour and a half in traffic or would you like to avoid it? See what we do is we're not avoiding temptation. <coughs> That's what we should do. We should find out what we sh- how to stay away from it in the first place. You do that through prayer. Matthew chapter thirteen says, "And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." That's something we should be praying every day. Lord, keep me from evil. Keep me from temptation. Lord, I know that if I'm living for you and you bring it my way, that I can overcome it. But you know what, Lord? I'd just rather not face it in the first place. Have a purpose. 1 Corinthians ten fourteen. He says, wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. You know what that means? Run the other direction. Don't go near it. Sometimes you feel pressure coming, get out of there. I'm strong. Bring it on. You guys can all sit around here drinking and I'm not gonna drink. That's ignorant. Okay, well, that really didn't go over well. Let's move on quickly. But we put ourselves in this thing, and it's like, you know what? This is not where I should be. This is this is starting to, to bother me. Get out of there. Well, people think I'm rude. Be nice when you're leaving. But I would rather leave and have people think I'm rude than keep myself in a situation where I might do wrong have partners. What do I mean? Have some accountability. By the way, Brother Two, you could vouch for this. Brother Board's great with this. <coughs> he asked me one time, said, hey, Pastor Myers, We're having a Zoom meeting with all of our missionaries. I don't even know if you're on that, because I'm not always on those. And he's like, I want you to be a part of it. It's <coughs> <So>, okay. <coughs> I'm at home, and my little office up, I have a little desk up in my room, had my little thing. All the missionaries are there. I'm like, hey, they're having a meeting. Brother Ward wants me to be a part of it. Here's what he said. Okay. Fellas, tell us how your marriage is going. You're up, brother, uh, <laughs> brother Haas. Tell us how's it going with your wife. I'm like, whoa, what a minute, what? Down the line, how's it going with your children? I like that. <coughs> you know what he's saying? Hey guys, it's not just about serving God. We got to have our families in order. He was keeping them on check. Now, I don't know why he clued me in. Maybe my wife called him and said, look, my husband needs some help. Can you get him on that Zoom meeting? <laughs> like, but I like that. <coughs> He's trying to help him. Do you know we need accountability? Yeah. By the way, it's super dangerous not to, not to like accountability. <coughs> you're married. <coughs> you have a family. You're single, to be honest with you. Um, Someone ought to know where you are at all times. Amen. I'm a man. Thanks for identifying yourself, but we're not that kind of church. We don't have gender reveals for people over not, not born, okay? No one tells me what to do. No one checks on me. You're not a man. You, you, you're, you're, I'm not saying you're not a man, okay? But I'm saying that's dangerous. No one's looking at my phone. Okay. <coughs> Does your wife have your code? <clears throat> Do you have her code? My wife has my code. She can use my phone any she wants. She has before. I walk in. what are you doing with my phone? Mine went dead. I'm like, well, you know, when you're on it a lot, that happens. <laughs> you don't charge. I, don't, I, I never understand our, my family. They don't charge their phone at night. Wow. Like, how many of you have Life 360? I have Life 360. It says, tell Hannah to charge her phone. It's like 2 in the morning. It's at 5%. She's sleeping. She didn't plug it in. So that means tomorrow at work, she's going to come into my office and say, can I plug my phone in? Because like, she forgot to charge it. But we don't want accountability. That's bad. I want to be accountable. Oh, that's, really t- that's not good. Man, we, look, if you are a husband and you have a family, or you're a wife and you have a family, you ought to be on check. Uh, and if you're single and you live with your family, you ought to be on check. I know where my daughters are. They were at Allison's house last night. I didn't know what time it was. I'm like, Hannah, time to come home. I know she was at Allison's house, but I just wanted them home, okay? We need that accountability. That keeps us from getting into a bad area. If you can go off somewhere and no one knows where you're at, that's not good. (laughs) If You can get on your phone and no one has access. It should be your spouse. Say, you teenagers, how how do I have accountability with my phone? Super easy. Don't have one. Best accountability ever. And it saves your parents money. But that'll help you. Okay, we'll move on. Escape it. (coughs) That's what it says in 1 Corinthians. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted. Above that (coughs) you are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that we may be able to bear it. (coughs) If it's a temptation that comes because you're trying to live for God and do the right thing and you're just living your life, there's always a way out. But you got to take it, right? you got to take it. Don't allow yourself to be put in a bad situation. There's always that person who will say, you know, I was, had this temptation, Pastor, and I was just too strong, and I gave in. That tells me something. Number one, you were spiritually weak. Or you weren't do where you should be doing what you should be doing. You haven't been careful. And if you do those things, you'll be okay. God will, God will bring something that you can have victory over. Energize it. <coughs> what did we say? Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Now, let me ask you a question. Did he have the Bible with him? He didn't have the Bible with him. And by the way, you may be you're at work... <clears throat> Your boss says, "Hey, I got this phone call. I need you to lie for me, or I need you to cheat on this sheet." You don't like, let me. Let me check my Bible for that, boss. <laughs> you need to know what it says. Good. You need. You, know, you just need. No, nope, this is the wrong thing. I already know it's the wrong thing. I've already know the scriptures, and when it comes my way, I already know that what the answer is, and I'm out of here. Energize it. <clears throat> How would you like to uh, <coughs> go to war? and have a weapon without bullets. Look at this shiny gun. Guess what? He's got a gun too, so your gun doesn't scare him. He's going to shoot first. And if your gun doesn't have bullets, you ain't shooting back. And by the way, when you don't know the scriptures, Satan knows that. He's going to use it against you. Here's one. We're almost done. Envision it. <clears throat> what do you mean envision it? Look at. Oh, I'll, I'll read the verse so you can look at it. <clears throat> James is talking about temptation in chapter 1. And at the end of it, he says, Then when lust hath conceived. In other words, you, Satan uses your desires against you and you give into it. Lust hath conceived. When you give into it, it conceives and it brings forth fruit. So the temptation's there. You've given into it. Here's what happens. It brings forth Sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Don't see the pleasure or the potential benefits of the the moment. See the results at the end. Right? Let's go back to hunting or fishing. You put a a worm on a hook. You throw it in the water. What does the fish see? Worm. Food. Dinner. Dinner. You know what, he ought to look past the worm to the hook and see frying pan. Entree. Are you with me? We ought to look at the temptation. What's going to happen if I give in? Because there are going to be bad consequences. And sometimes if we think about the consequences, it'll keep us from the actions which will make us partake. You give in to sin, it's going to mess up your life in some way personally. You give in to sin, it's going to hurt your marriage. By the way, no spouse can sin or do something wrong without having it affect the other. You two are one. It's going to affect your family. You can go off and be a knucklehead and do your own thing because I'm my own man. What about your kids? Okay, that's more important. And then really, if none of those things uh, resonate with you, what about the cause of Christ? You're a Christian. You represent him. I'm a Christian. I represent him. So what am I saying if we know the scriptures <coughs> living in this world with everything that's going to come our way we don't have to give in we can get through it we can live what they call what we call a victorious christian life we don't have to give in to sin because when we give in to sin it messes up it messes up our future and it's going to put us on that road to where Hey, we're so-and-so. I haven't seen them in church in a while. What happened to them? Could be Satan got to them. I don't want that to be true of you or I. Let's stand together tonight. (coughs) Can we bow our head and close our eyes just for a minute? You know what the blessing of working in ministry is? I'm going to tell you what the blessing is. The blessing of ministry is seeing what God can do in a person's life. When they come to Christ. But I'm going to tell you. You know what the bad part of ministry is? Seeing what what can happen to a life. When someone who was walking with Christ. Walks away from Christ. So where are you at today? Sin is not some little thing. And we have a spiritual enemy. Who does not love us. Who is after us. And he's going to throw everything in his path. To blow us up. So what are we going to do about it? If we know the scriptures, <clears throat> Satan's chances of getting to us are not very strong. That's why I admonish you. Get into the word of God. Know what God is telling us. You say, Pastor, what about me? I've <coughs> There's times I've given in. i'm i'm I'm, i have some results of giving into temptation that 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 i'm still dealing with get on the right path get back to it sometimes satan gets us to give in and once we give in he says why do you even try just keep going down that road no get off that road you ever go somewhere and you've taken a wrong turn You don't just say, oh, well, I took the wrong turn. I guess I won't make my destination. You get back on track. Let's not fall to the enemy. piano's going to play. God spoke to you at all tonight. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? The protection we need is in the Word of God.